Shalom and welcome to the Vibe of the Tribe podcast from JewishBoston.com. I'm your host, Mary Manzvin, and I'm joined today by one of my favorite people in the whole world, my co-host, Dan Seligson. What's up, Dan? Not my heart rate. And I'll tell you why, Miriam, because I just don't like to run. Under some circumstances, I'll increase my walk to a trot, like maybe if it's cold out, or even if I need to catch a bus or something, I'll break into an awkward jog, or if the bartender announces last call, or someone says they're running low on food, maybe. But not everyone is as ridiculous as me. And sitting with us today in the studio are two people who will be running from an outer burb in Boston all the way into Boston as they take part in the marathon, the Boston Marathon, which is the nation's oldest and most prestigious road race, and it happens this year on April 19th. More than just running 26.2 miles, our two guests are raising money as part of their entry into the marathon. And today they're going to talk to us about running the race, the causes that they care about, and they'll make the pitch for you to help them reach their fundraising goals. First, we have Haley Friedler, who is running for the Brookline Center, which provides mental health care and social services that help people and their families live healthier, safer lives. We are also joined by Larry Tobin, who is our former colleague here at CJP and now works for the Shapiro Family Foundation. Larry has run a few marathons before and likes to text with Dan during Patriots games when Julian Edelman's beard does something amazing. Thank you both for taking time out of your busy schedule of training, jobs, lives, and sleep schedules to be with us today on The Vibe of the Tribe. Our pleasure. Really. Thank you for having us. (laughs) So I am in awe of you both because, frankly, I enjoy running even less than Dan does. If zombies were chasing me, I'd stand and fight or just give up. But zombies are only hypothetical at this point. So setting that aside, we would love to hear about when you decided to start running long distances and why. Larry. Uh, I ran my first Boston Marathon in 2012. I probably ran my first half marathon like two years before that. Uh, I never ran at all. Like through high school, I played basketball. That, that was it. Uh, my little cousin who was in high school at the time got me to run like a 5K just on the weekend uh, with him. And uh, from there, I just started running. Haley, how about you? Uh, so I wasn't much of a runner growing up either. <laughs> I probably ran my first half marathon now about two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, and I got into it really. I started boxing, um, started running to keep up with that. And next thing I knew I was running a half marathon and it kind of just became part of my life from there. I've seen enough Rocky movies to know that running is an integral part of a boxer's training. In every Rocky movie, there's one montage. Yeah, how would you do a montage? I actually have a photo of myself in front of the Philadelphia Art Museum in running gear, if you'd like it, just for your personal. I think we would like that for the podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Larry. We would. Yeah, we'd love that. (laughs) Okay, so you guys are both running to support charitable causes. Um, We'd love to hear about the causes that you're supporting and why you chose them. Haley. So I'm running for Team Brookline, which is the town of Brookline's official marathon team. Um, And it benefits five local charities. So the charities advance mental health, uh, education, literacy, youth development, and the arts. And the awesome thing about it is that anyone can run for Team Brookline. You don't have to be a resident of the town. And so I personally am running for the Brookline Center, which is the Brookline Center for Community Mental Health. 
Um, and pretty much it's because of the Brookline Center, the town of Brookline is one of the few places, if maybe the only place, where there's essentially universal access to healthcare or at universal access to mental health, rather, um, because they take all insurance and they treat anyone regardless of your ability to pay, which is incredible because yeah. mental health is not something that society has really taken um, too seriously for way too long, and there's a lot of stigma around it. Um, and the Brookline Center also runs programming in over 100 communities in Massachusetts to support mental health um, in schools, and it's just a really great organization um, to really tackle what's become a pretty big issue in society. And um, I personally have had some mental health struggles myself, and have known firsthand what it's really like to kind of go through the process of trying to find help and it's not an easy one. So for me, it's really nice to have a chance to give back to the town that I grew up in and also support a cause that really means a lot to me. Wonderful. Yeah. Larry, how about you? Well, I just came through my therapist in Cambridge, so I feel like this is very connected. Did you run? All the way? No, there's a lot of snow and ice, oh. and uh, I have delicate hair that I don't want to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm running for pair. It's actually the reason I'm running the marathon. I was explicitly not going to uh, until they sent out a note saying they had two numbers, uh, and then I felt like I had to. Pair is a legal an immigration legal aid organization, uh, specifically working with asylum seekers. Uh, so it's based here in Boston. Um, there are a few aspects of it that are really significant. So one is the operating budget's only something like three quarters of a million dollars. Uh, but when they leverage up all the pro bono they get, it's something like a 10 or 12x um, leverage. Um, so they're able to get a lot of the kind of top firms in town to get um, their attorneys kind of from first year associate all the way up to partner to actually uh, work on these immigration cases. Asylum seekers who have legal representation have over a five times greater likelihood of actually getting some level of status. Uh, it goes up from like a 17% success rate without representation to um, most uh, most years they're at 99%. They've never been lower than 95% success. So when you have um, kind of bona fide legitimate asylum seekers who, if they were represented, uh, would be able to stay here uh, because they can't go home for fear of persecution, right. whether they're LGBTQ, political reasons, uh, et cetera. I, I can't kind of live with myself if I'm not part of them just getting a fair day in, in, in court. Uh, in criminal proceedings in the U.S., you're guaranteed um, legal representation. Uh, in the immigration courts, which are part of, part of the Department of Justice, uh, you're not afforded that right. It's not the same. So, so that's kind of the the general reason that I'm running, and the specific reason I'm running is that Pair is actually the only legal aid immigration uh, legal uh, immigration legal aid organization uh, in an amazing field of probably about a half dozen really great organizations in Boston. Um, but they are the only ones that actually have a specific working relationship with ICE that gets them. Um, to be able to bring an attorney into the detention centers. Uh, so what probably few people know is that in five uh, county prisons across Massachusetts, including right here, about two miles from us, uh, in South Bay Detention Center for Suffolk County, uh, Suffolk County has 180 detention beds. Um, a good chunk of those folks are uh, folks that sought asylum kind of mm -hmm. on the U.S.-Mexico uh, border, uh, gave themselves up at some point, and were shipped up here either for just pure logistical reasons because there's an empty bed or because they had family ties. Uh, and the other kind of half plus or minus of the population are folks um, that either flew into Logan, gave themselves up, or were kind of uh, rounded up around uh, around Greater Boston. Uh, anyhow, clergy are able to get in, but pair are the only kind of basically non-family folks, uh, specifically attorneys that can get in, do Know Your Rights campaigns, and can actually offer legal representation. Uh, and so because 
Um, there's of course way more demand for their services than supply. The most important thing we could possibly do is raise $75,000 um, for a staff attorney to specifically focus on this. Uh, and so my goal was to raise the full $75,000 uh, and we're a little bit over halfway there right now. Awesome. I think I mentioned in the intro, but the closest I'm going to come to running the Boston Marathon is actually visiting the website, which I managed to do last week with great effort. I hope you'll at least cheer us on. Yeah. I, oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I wasn't concerned about you. Oh, thank you. No, we're, we're going to watch. <laughs> we're definitely going to watch. Uh, but let's get a little bit into the mechanics of training for and running a marathon. Uh, first off, this is a marathon where it could be 80 degrees one year, it could be pouring rain, and my God, it could be snowing. Uh, there's times when the wind is blowing in the opposite direction from the east, which is right in your face, which is horrific. How do you prepare and how early do you have to start training in earnest? You got to start training around Thanksgiving. Um, that's the worst time. That's when food happens. Yeah, that's, uh, that's when food. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like yeah. that Friday after, like screw a turkey trot. You can go do a turkey, <laughs> you know, six miler. So you need plus or minus kind of that much time to do it right. I'm in a unique position this year that I seem to have contracted Lyme disease from the Lone Star Tick in the second week of January when I was down Oof. actually visiting um, uh, the Texas-Mexico border for kind of pair related work. I'm not able to do a traditional routine. What I've been able to do is basically one long run a week, uh, every week to 10 days. And I've essentially done no additional cross training and no shorter runs. What's and, a long run? Uh, so, so, you know, so, so for me, that's like so, from one end of the CJP yeah. to the so, other. Yeah. So on Monday, actually with the westerly winds, I ran 14 miles. So where, what are you up to now? 18. Yeah. So like I'm way behind, you know, you have to get up to like 20, let's say twice to do this thing right. She's going to be in awesome shape. Uh, I'm going to be in pretty crappy that. shape because I, the two things that I'm not doing right now, I'm not doing any up and down hills, which is like a total killer because the number one thing I realized the first two marathons is like everybody focuses on heartbreak hill and going uphill, mm -hmm. but the first half marathon is disproportionately downhill and you don't prepare for that. And all of a sudden you kind of get through Ashley and it starts in Hopkinton, obviously you get through Ashland and you get through Framingham and eventually you get through like Natick Center right at the halfway, uh, Wellesley Center, excuse me, at the halfway point and your, your thighs are burning. Because uh, you did from the, from the downhill, from gravity. Huh. Yeah, yeah, can't burn out your quads early. Oh my God, there's so many things to consider. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, I so I am not really that much uh, further ahead in my training than you. I have been dealing with some knee issues, started with some back issues, but yeah, started at the end of October, early November. It's you know, a, it's a true five six month commitment to. Uh, to get to the marathon, which is a long time, but I'm also kind of at the point where I have had to cut out a lot of my midweek runs, really sticking to my one long run at the weekend, um, which is hard. But that being said, at this point in the training, it's kind of the the point where it's mental more than mm -hmm. physical. You, you reach a point where you're physically ready, and then um, it's all about you know, the mental endurance of getting yourself through those miles. Right. Do you ever run a full 26.2 miles in advance of the marathon, or will that be the first time you do that distance? That will be the first time I do that oh, distance. Okay. I've heard I that before. I yeah. didn't know for sure. And how many marathons have you run? Two. Okay. I was like, oh, yeah, Larry's run like 50. Yeah, he said lots. I said I a lot. A, well, frankly, two is a lot. That is a lot. That's comparatively. a lot. That's yeah. A lot. It's a lot of time on the marathon course when you run at my pace. 
It's probably the equivalent of like four or five. Now, what time did they shut down the course? Like five o'clock? Yeah, uh, the first time I ran is in 2012, which was like that 90 degree day. And what's so particularly brutal is, right, like they leave like kind of the fat, slow people like me till the very, very end, right? So like the elite runners are leaving Hopkinton at like 9.30 or 10. Like you're not even leaving basically till almost noon when it's all said and done. So you get high heat for, you know, in that case, like over five hours. It was nuts. Oh, God. Wow. What is your pace? Uh, my dream with the Lyme disease right now, I slowed down by like 40 seconds. So my dream would be like to finish in like a 445 or so. You're still probably going to be. Mine would be like eight to 10 days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could do it shorter than I, that. I can take an Uber right. to, <laughs> <laughs> to calm out. <laughs> so running the Boston Marathon, I mean, we know this has changed quite a bit after the bombing in 2013. It's taking, taking on a deeper resonance for everybody here. Obviously, who's running, but also people who are watching. It's a time to remember the victims and to have pride in Boston, in the words of David Ortiz, our fucking city. Um, what does it mean to you guys to run in this race, given the recent history? Haley. It's a loaded question. Yeah. I, so I've, I've wanted to run the Boston Marathon since I was a kid, but never really thought that I would be able to um, for a, vi- a variety of reasons, partly mental health struggles that I've had, um, but also just kind of the idea of that sort of physical it's incredibly daunting just to think about it honestly yes Yes. um so i have always wanted to do it but never really thought that i could and then in 2013 i think that was the year that i really decided that it was going to yeah happen in my life and pretty much was solidified on my bucket list items um and so for me I mean, in addition to the whole, you know, personal achievement, the personal excitement around it, I think a lot of it is pride for the city that I grew up in. Yeah. And yeah it, it, that, I think, for me was the, the year that really solidified that this was going to be something I did in my life. So for me, it's the single greatest day in the city and always has been. I grew up here. I guess we both grew up here. Uh, and I watched every single year as a kid. And then when I went to BU, I didn't understand that kind of from mile, let's say, 20 in, maybe like 19 in. Like once you basically hit the hills at BC, everybody's drunk, right? So you have all kind of the, <laughs> the awesome families kind of like through Newton, through Ch- like the start of Chestnut Hill. And then everybody's just What time do people start face. drinking in Hopkinton? I don't know about that. You know, there's, there's, it's interesting. So in Hopkinton, like not a lot of booze going. Then you're going down 135, and it's like a narrow road that nobody can get in and out of for that time. You have people uh, like barbecuing and playing beer pong and getting shit faced like 10, 11. So those are you know like family folks off of 135, and they're basically on the same path as like you know the BU and BC students. It's it's impressive actually. <laughs> So uh, once I got to BU, I started to live a totally different um, uh, marathon experience where we began day drinking and kegs and eggs and what have you. Uh, And that was um, equal, totally different, but equally amazing for me. And so the marathon continued to take on like a a heightened uh, sense. It was just like, just honestly, every single year is my favorite day of the year. So I had a former colleague, a friend of mine named Karen, who, um, who ran the marathon when we were working together, probably in like... Oh, nine, ten ish. 
Um, and that was the first time that like, I really like had a friend who did it. And when she did it, I was like, Oh my God, like this is totally possible. My two dreams in life were to be a Red Sox season ticket holder and to finish the marathon. Um, Such a townie. It's amazing. So, uh, I love how it. How are we going on uh, goal number two? Uh, so, so I, so I nailed both of them within a year. The year that Jesse and I got engaged in 13, the Sox called and we got that our number came up. So we became season ticket holders for the 14th season, but actually got grandfathered in for the playoffs. So we sat and watched game, them clinching game six. That was right after I had finished the 12 uh, uh, marathon. Anyhow, so the um, the terrorist attack in 13, truth be told, didn't have a particular effect on my desire to run one way or the other. My plan, I had run in 2012. My plan all along had been back to run again in 14. But the day itself was um, was quite insane because I wasn't running. I was um, imbibing down, like down and I, wasn't fully following exactly what was happening, but I was starting to walk. I had kind of gotten out to Brookline, started kind of walking with the root cheering on folks with the cowbell and, and what have you. Uh, and all of a sudden, like everybody right in front of basically the Hotel Commonwealth had like stopped kind of like right before, um, uh, right before like sorrow. And, it, and nobody kind of knew what was happening. And so anyway, I ended up being in this position of like, I knew the route and I knew all the back roads. I knew how to kind of get around both. So I ended up like directing a bunch of runners around. At mm-hmm. one point, I quite literally gave my pants to the guy because it was actually quite windy that day. So it was warm. It was a nice day, but it ended up being super windy. Uh, and people were shivering, right? Because they didn't actually get kind of like the aluminum space blankets yet because they weren't at the finish line. And for these folks, they were, they had passed mile, they were within a mile, right? Because the one mile to go is in Kenmore Square. I felt like, obviously I didn't quite understand what was happening, but I felt like so bad for these people having just finished my first marathon. And these were pretty, still pretty fast marathoners. Um, anyhow, I ended up spending a lot of time kind of like literally bringing people and reuniting with the families. The cell phone service wasn't working, blah, yeah. blah, blah. It was totally nuts. So it was um, it was an honor to be able to like run in 14 just as like a normal person. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wasn't running for uh, for like Mark Richards or something like that, but just to be part of uh, honoring the four victims for sure. Haley, I want to get back to your team. And I'm wondering when you train and when you run, are you running together or is this, I always think of running as a very individual sport, but I, you know, there, there are teams involved. Will you be running alone or do you have a partner to keep you at the pace you guys want to run at? Yeah. So we do our long runs every Saturday together. Um, and anyone from our team who is able to come shows up and we kind of, you know, mentally get in it together. We have an awesome coach and team manager who give us tips, pump us up. Um, I, If we are running around the same pace, we'll kind of stick together. So sometimes we end up in groups. We often end up meeting up at water stops together mm-hmm. and kind of just cheering each other on. Um, if you pass someone, it's always uh, words of encouragement. It's I don't. I honestly don't think that I could possibly have gotten this far in the training without running for a team. Um, I have an incredible team of runners that I get to spend a decent amount of time with now. Um, They're family at this point. I yeah, would think, I think when you go through something like marathon training with a group of people, it's kind of hard not to get that sort of sense of friendship and camaraderie. Um, so I'm very much indebted to <laughs> the other the others on my team. I think running, I tend to get, you know, depending on who, who shows up that week, sometimes I'll run with someone, sometimes I'm more on my own, but 
we try to hold some conversations while we run to pass the time. Um, and it's for the day of the marathon, I think it's going to be a lot harder to run in groups, mm-hmm. but it's, I mean, you, you build up the camaraderie with people. I think the day of the marathon, it doesn't matter who you are. Everyone's kind of in the same, happy to have a conversation if you need to pass the time sort of thing. <laughs> so Miriam, in addition to running, oh, people God. can run and talk at the same I, time. You know what? I'm shocked to learn <laughs> this. <laughs> the concept is because so beyond I me. can't walk upstairs and have a conversation. That just says more about me maybe, but... Oh my god! <laughs> so, Larry, are you a, are you a soloist or do you run with a team? Uh, so there are only two of us um, running for pair, uh, and my colleague Hannah, who's doing it, is like a mom, I think, of two and a partner at a law firm and doing this. Um, so she's like a super okay. Badass. Can she just I'm like just, stop being she's, she's taking yeah, calls just, during when the is she training? Running? Right I, I have no time. idea. I was like emailing with her. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, super impressive. Oh, and she also like does pro bono cases for pair. So she's already exponentially more helpful to actually like the cause than I am. Um, so, uh, she and I have never met in person. We're not running together. Um, no, running for a team is like a huge advantage. The last mm-hmm. time around I, I got to do it. Um, and it, it like, it's a total game changer. Um, so no, so I have like a toddler at home and I also thankfully have like a very, um, flexible work situation. So I end up probably running, uh, at somewhat off times. Like for instance, I ran first thing Monday morning, um, it was just easier for me. So, um, so disadvantage of not being able to get the camaraderie with folks. Um, I'm uh, the part of the reason I'm running is because my um, my cousin actually got a number and he's running, but he's out in San Diego. So we're constantly kind of like exchanging text on our plans and what have you. And the plan is at least to run the first half uh, together, and then he'll blast past me. Um, so don't get the kind of like the um, the mental boost of being able to do it together, um, but at least where uh, our training is fairly on the same page. He's just a lot stronger and tougher than I am. I also feel like you know everyone in Boston, so you'll see a bunch of friends in the race that you didn't even know were in it. Also along the along the course, it's true. The single most important thing I did in the past is have make sure that I have somebody I know kind of every four and a half miles because that's about when I need like a new water bottle and a new goo pack and what have you. So I'm quite militant with having like my parents and my in-laws and my friends, whatever, kind of spread across the race. What's really astonishing though is like having grown up in Needham and be pretty oriented from like 128 inward is like a solid half the race is before that and telling people There's, to go to There are Ashton. people outside of 128. It's, I found this out recently too. Yes, it's fascinating exists. to me. Outside yeah. there? Oh my yeah. God. So Miriam so, told me this. Right. So having people, you know, meet me like outside of Framingham Center, like God forbid those first six miles, like I'm not going to know a soul. But once I'm in there, then then we're cool. So Haley, <laughs> we've talked about the fact that this is your first marathon, and we saw in your Instagram photos of you at physical therapy, you know, uh, running at 11 degrees and more things like that. This, you know, is so profoundly intense and intimidating, but also super inspiring for me as a non-athletic person. Um, so what have you learned from doing this so far? Oh wow. Uh, a lot. One, the marathon is so much more complicated than you think it is in terms of training. And I think I think a lot of what I'm learning is the limits of my own body. Mm-hmm. Um, I have pretty much been in physical therapy since the start of my training for, for some back issues, now for some knee issues, some hip issues, um, which has definitely slowed me down on my training and limited how much my body can take in terms of training up. So I've definitely lost some speed. Um, But I think one of the biggest things that 
I've learned is to be patient with myself and that I am so much stronger than I ever thought I could possibly be and that at the end of the day I'm going to finish and whatever time I get is irrelevant because at the end of the day I've run the Boston Marathon. And also I've learned that running in the cold is so much better than running in the heat. Like I you my previous runs were always, you know, warm weather, it's trained through the summer, train when it's, you know, 50 degrees or above, and now it's definitely adapting to the Boston winter, which you never know what you're going to get. Also, wind. Wind is a huge factor. It could, it could be 11 degrees and, like, perfectly fine to run, but if there's a wind, a strong wind, it's not not a great time. <laughs> So I'm not an athlete, put that out there, but I, I do commute by bike and I will commute and I totally agree with you about exercising in the cold rather than the heat. But there is a certain marker, like 14 degrees or below, where it seems like your body doesn't do what you want it to do. Like yeah. I'm riding my bike as I always do, but I notice that I'm going much slower yes. than usual. Yes. Is that it's, a thing? It is. And it takes a lot longer for your body to warm up when you're running. You know, you're when you're running, it's normally the first two or three miles. Your body's getting into it. You're trying to find your stride for the rest of the run. When it's that cold or that much cold wind, um, your body definitely takes a lot longer. So it could be the first five miles, the first six. I've had runs where my body just never felt like it warmed up and you go a lot slower. You, I think mentally have a lot harder time um, getting through it because you can't, you know, adjust as well. Um, But I think those are the runs that are probably the best for training because the harder mentally the run is, I think the more preparation it adds to your mental endurance for the day of the marathon but yeah it's it's rough when your body just can't get into it i can sort of imagine not really not really <laughs> hey i respect of. you for uh biking I, that that's terrifying to me i biking. keep telling oh my God, him if not been to on the 77 it. bus it's so much better than taking the bus <laughs> well, I have that's to tell true you. but really anything is better than the 77 bus so larry you've this is your third marathon as we discussed earlier and this for having a little bit of a boost every four and a half miles is fascinating. Uh, I'm wondering if you have any other rituals or superstitions that you're willing to share with the audience. Anything, the weirder, the better, frankly. Is there a braha that you recite at every mile or something? <laughs> do you do like a shahriyano each year? God, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not as Jewish as you need me to be on this podcast. Uh, or as most people think, evidently. <laughs> no, I don't think there's anything like super weird like that. You don't um, put something odd in like your pocket or. So actually, so I ha- I made. There we go. I knew there <laughs> was something. <laughs> so I um I was in Israel twice in the past like five weeks, basically four weeks. So um so, despite my strong agreement that kind of running in let's say for me like. 30 to 45 degree weather is like the dream come true. Running in 60 degree weather along the beach in Tel Aviv doesn't suck either. So I did two of my last four long runs along the beach in Tel Aviv. They don't really carry, you know, goo packs or energy enhancements like at random, um, like bodegas on the street in (laughs) Tel Aviv. But they do have all sorts of nuts and specifically salted nuts that you can kind of get a little shloosh of and a little bag of. So on those two runs, I, I had 
I had brought a kind bar with me, so I like for each one, so I had one in my pocket, but otherwise I had like salted roasted almonds. And I went through like a solid fistful of them, maybe more over kind of like the plus or minus two hour run both times. Um, and I think I might be converted. Now, my stomach felt super screwed up um, afterward, but it typically does after I run but for two hours. But not during. But not during. Okay, that's all right. And if anything, you know, like, so like when I'm running here, I don't know about you, like, you know, I'll have like a goo pack every kind of 45 minutes. So like, I can't what is goo. a goo pack? It's I don't gross. know. It's just like, it's, doesn't so it's just like a bunch of chemicals that good. kill you slowly. Oh. Fast, no, I don't, I don't know. know. It's pretty much just carbs. Oh, yeah. Okay. But like, I mean, for me at least, like, it really works. I just like the chocolate outrage ones are really good. Uh, by the way, thanks. Uh, this hour is sponsored by Goo. Uh, my name is Larry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just playing. Trying to get some free um, goo out of this. Yeah. No. So, so I'll do that kind of like every forty-five minutes. But even now, like on my last long run on Monday here, like I'm now accustomed to actually eating. That somewhat ridiculously, I brought a kind bar with me to go eat like halfway through the run. And I actually brought some salted almonds that I had for like the last two miles. And I swear to you, like it was this lift up. Now it was also like lunchtime or whatever, but like, <laughs> hey, I don't know. Did they have to be Israeli salted almonds? No, these ones were uh, bargains from Costco. They were mm, really okay. solid. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do the goo. Yeah. The goo the, is. The one thing that I'm doing this year, not a weird like routine or anything, but like where I think I'm outsmarting the system is the morning of the marathon sucks, right? So I don't know what time your team wants you to get to a bus, but like six something, five something, like something just like so stupid because you don't leave until noon, right? Or 1130 at best or whatever. So, and particularly for me, like I live in Needham, I live like halfway to Hopkinton. So they want me to like go into Boston to like catch a school bus. It's just like so idiotic. So I booked a hotel room for my cousin. I had two hotel rooms at like this little, it's actually like Framingham State owns a tiny little hotel in Ashland. It's like uh, three miles from the start line and, um, and they'll have a little shuttle for me. So I think I'll literally skip like two and a half hours of just like waiting. Last year it was monsooning. Everybody was just complaining about like they were shivering and they were wet and they were miserable. When I ran in 2012, like there wasn't enough sun cover when mm. there was sun, like whatever. So like this way I get to kind of like chill, have a good breakfast, like be on my own time. I think that might be like the single most important thing. It's probably more so mental than anything, but uh, yeah. it should be pretty fun. Yeah. Okay, practical question. And a trigger warning for Dan, it is about hair. Um, how do I you remember keep, it well. Yeah, remember hair? <laughs> how do you keep your hair out of your face? Headbands, braids. Larry, would you shave your head to be more aerodynamic? Dan has style tips on head shaving. If you ran, you would be so fast. So much faster. Mm. So much faster. That's true. Don't shave your hair, though. It's like no, I know. you got I, the perfect, I, like, luscious. It's the source it. of your power, Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so for me, as so a couple things have shifted as I like as I've run, I don't know, as I've gotten older. One is I I never ever ever listened to anything uh, before. I never had earphones in or anything like that, and now I do. And actually, of late, I'm listening to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast specifically. I don't know why, but it gets my mind running in like a few different directions, uh, which is interesting. Um, and then two is I wear a hat. Um, obviously, like when it's super cold out, like on Monday it was like crazy windy. Like I had to wear a winter hat. Uh, but even if it's like mild, I now have kind of like basically like a trucker hat that I wear um, and it keeps my hair out of the way. Um, the headbands, like those athletic headbands that are, you know, meant for women and perhaps for European soccer players, but probably mostly <laughs> for women. Um, I have used a lot, but I find that they slip when I'm running from the impact. Uh, so that wasn't as good as a trucker hat. 
I have a tiny head, so headbands have never worked for me. Me neither. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. They They're all so cute. Right and off. I have always wanted to wear them, but they just don't work on my head. But I do have the the lovely Jewish curl that, you know, us stereotypes get. Um, so my hair does stay up pretty well, minus the frizz. Uh, I have started I was actually on the Brookline crew team in high school, so I have this awesome aerodynamic hat thing that they give to racers that's, like, great for getting rid of sweat and keeping your eyes from being burned by the sun or whatever hats do. I don't normally wear I hats. think that's what hats do. Yeah, so I've been wearing that um, with my hair up in a bun and then wearing a nice one of those crazy little ear warmer headband things tucked into the hat so that it stays on my head because otherwise it wouldn't but yeah that's that's been working pretty well and I don't wear I don't like wearing sunglasses when I run so on the days where it's not you know super cloudy and kind of sunny it's it's nice I get a little bit of shade going on Um, so we'll see what happens on the day of the marathon but I have a feeling that's probably gonna hold uh Haley I've got a question for you since we heard a little bit about um Larry's uh adapted pre-race ritual uh, what's the night before going to be like for you? That's a great question. I've been trying to figure that out. I haven't done this before, so uh, I know our team has a night before dinner, which I think will probably be heavily carbo. Carbs. Not a kegger. Not, Not a, a kegger. kegger. Um, you know, I, I think I've reached the age where keggers are a long since thing of the past. <laughs> uh, you know, a couple drinks and I'm out the next day. So try to try to avoid the alcohol probably for the couple weeks before. But I, yeah, probably pasta, lot, lots of carbs, lots of, you know, team bonding hopefully to mentally prepare for the the day ahead i have heard some horror stories of the uh morning of so i'm intrigued to see what happens but i i've taken to eating frosted mini wheats before my runs which have been great it's a great series like 30 minutes before i go on my run i just like you do we get some sponsors without over milk. here for frosted mini wheat. Yeah, can I can I get uh, <laughs> lots of boxes of those? I'd probably buy out the grocery we, store. We at just this point. picked up two sponsors. Yeah. For the <laughs> I would really appreciate a sponsor. No, if, Kellogg's, if, if you're, you're looking there, for something know. to do the night before, apparently there's a rogue group of bikers who they all get on the commuter rail right out to Hopkinton, and then they ride in on the route at like midnight. It's a midnight bike ride into Boston. Oh, wow. You know, I think I might want to save my legs the night before the marathon, but I appreciate the invite. (laughs) Everyone who runs this race does it for a particular cause or because they're competing to win and you get a Mercedes and some money. In addition to the charities that you're supporting, what else will be in your head? Who will be in your head when you're running? Who's going to inspire you at mile 21, 22? Late 20s. Mid 20s. Um, I, I mean... My family has been beyond supportive of me, so definitely them. My little brother, Drew, has become my running partner. He ran my first half marathon with me, Um, so probably him. One of my really good friends, Kat, has also been someone that I run with a lot um, and has always said, uh, you can do anything for a mile, and that has gotten me through 
a lot of hard miles uh, through my training and also that I am Athena, which is another thing that we, we tell ourselves when we're running, you know, goddess of yes. strength and yes. courage and all that. But just a nice little reminder of what I am capable of and... You are a powerful woman. Exactly. (laughs) I think so. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I think a lot of, you know, what will go through my head is the people who I've been running with, who have, you know, helped me along the way and supported my fundraiser, which is honestly, I think, more stressful than the actual running portion. I don't know what you think What's your Instagram, by the way, if we... If, do you want that to yeah, be public? Sure. If so, okay. Yeah, so I mean, it is a public Instagram, and I've been trying to uh, blog. I'm not great at social media, but I've been trying my best to kind of blog my experience with this. But my Instagram is the Runaway Friedler, which started as I pretty much spent last year, a large portion of last year, out of the country traveling solo, um, and that was kind of my shtick I guess for traveling and now it's a little bit more true (laughs) because I am running (laughs) I'm actually running now but yeah so that's kind of my the runaway Friedler is my Instagram name we'll probably put it on my singlet you know but yeah I, I post all of my PT the weird images of my legs being cupped and suctioned into little plastic things which is a little creepy but you know it you gotta works. do what you gotta do. Exactly. Yeah. It's a. It's all about uh, surviving, surviving the twenty six point two miles back to Boston. So, Larry, My you got someone running through your head when you're running. I have a super fucked up relationship with one of my best with my best guy friend Piero, uh, who's never run a marathon but feels fit to um, mock how slowly I run mine. Oh, um, so that's um, its own kind of motivation. Oh, man. it's a huge motivation. Yeah. He gets a screenshot of every long run I do. So yes, a big chunk of this will be that one, inevitably I'm running with my cousin Eli, inevitably he'll be ahead of me by the end. Uh, And it would just be super embarrassing if I was way behind him, especially because he and my uncle are probably going to wait around towards the finish line for me. Um, Two, I need to break five hours or Piero will never let let me live it down, even though, again, I will finish my third marathon, hopefully, and he will still have finished zero. Um, (laughs) And then uh, along the route, there are two different kind of categories of folk that I just feel like a, a wuss if uh if i like start walking or whatever one is uh all the armed servicemen and women uh many of whom are marching and many of whom are uh, are running uh and same with kind of the stadies and the bpd and bfd and what have you like if these are folks that are like protecting me day in and day out and like are going to run a marathon or march mm-hmm. a marathon in their gear like god bless you i can figure out how to run 26.2 pretty slowly uh and then you see a bunch of people with kind of a range of um of physical abilities, amputations, what have you. Like when you see a person kind of on, uh, you know, one leg and one uh, glider, ski, whatever it's called, like I at least figured out how to run a little bit faster because like all the power of the world to them and like thank God God gave me a couple good legs like, I can figure this thing out whether I'm in PT or not. I got a body. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got a little speed round of questions for you. The first of which is um, a lot of people run with headphones. Larry, you mentioned that you're starting to do that. What is the hype music to get you through those really tough parts of the race? Larry, let's go for you first. Cores, Toss the Feathers, instrumental. It's excellent. <laughs> um, Eminem, 8 Mile, Jesus Walks With Me. 
Sorry, JewishBoston.com. He it's was okay, ultimately probably you. the first Reform rabbi, if we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah. Um, uh, those are the handful. Haley, how about you? I'm actually training without music, <gasps> which is new for me. Um, I have always run with music, but I've actually found that I really like running without music. Mm. Um, I think no matter how great my playlist is before I set out on a run, inevitably there's a song that I want to listen to like three or four times because it's just pumping me up or there's a song that's just in the moment not what I need to hear yeah and I think that uh, like got me out of my zone a little bit and now you know having run 18 miles without any sort of music I'm like yeah I can mentally pump myself up for this and especially on the day you know all those crowds I think that's really the motivation (laughs) so I have seen, uh, I, I've watched two marathons in person. I watch them, uh, I, I live stream the Boston Marathon, and there's always a couple of I'm jokers. I'm sorry, so you don't typically so go that's not in it. person. Well, no, I, I went to the Marine Corps Marathon in person twice. Uh-huh. But you've lived in Boston it. a long time, like almost your whole life, and you don't typically You're going to come watch him. us, right? I'm always working. I'm sorry, he can be shamed if he's conducting a podcast with marathon runners, in which You're earlier come in the watch podcast us, he right, pretended though. he that, was a that's regular. The, uh, Parking is difficult. That's the plan. <laughs> All right, That's listen. what the T is for. Enough sorry. about me. <laughs> I would like so I have seen jokers in costumes. They're running twenty six point two miles, not just running the whole thing, not just going through what everyone else is going through, but wearing a costume. If you were forced to wear a costume for the marathon, what would the costume be of? Athena. Yes. Done. Easy. Top that, Larry. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I already got I already gave you Thor. I already gave it to you. Good to do. Superman, Batman. Yeah. What other? I'm not good with superheroes. Wonder Woman. Good Lubavitch for Rebbe. Hashem. I'm giving okay. you options here. Larry has. No, I'll come back. To you. We'll circle back right, on that one. Right. Um, okay. So, what is the strangest thing about runners or running culture that non-runners don't know about? So, on, so the one thing that I had no idea about is uh, I like my second toe is longer than my big toe and my toenail on those feet falls off. oh my god mine does yeah. not fall off though yeah. it's, it's like not. a long arduous process but if you look it's like a little darker because there's a new one kind of going on underneath it and um and you look so looks extremely <laughs> horrified right now but yeah. listeners I'm, I'm if only you could see our expressions yeah. at this time and then Dance also like i'm super careful all. with like when i cut my toenails because it's got to be like a four or five days before yeah. my next run kind of that, thing. See, it affects you think that these things are known feel. but that was not known at least not to me yeah. no that Dan, was unknown you know absolutely I, I unknown that recently yeah you 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 got to watch out what happens because you got to adapt yeah same with shaving my face by the way does it slow you down? No, uh, no it, it burns, right? Like if I do a close shave and oh. I go and run and exercise for two and a half hours, oh. and particularly if it's if it's cold, right? Like kind of like the Wind white burn. salt. That makes sense. Okay, thank you, Haley and Larry, for joining us on the Vibe of the Tribe today. Thanks thank for having you. us. So best of luck running the race. Dan and I will exhaust ourselves watching the live stream on our laptops and cheering you on while wearing sweatbands. 
For everybody who would like to support Larry and Haley in this endeavor, check out the links in the show notes in this episode. And make sure you don't miss an episode of Jewish Boston's The Vibe of the Tribe podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in and follow at Jewish Boston on social media for all of our great content. Thank you, as always, to our editor and mascot, Jesse, and to Ryan for our music. Go get them, guys. Win, win, win. Thanks. Honor to be on the number one Jewish podcast in America. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, Jesse.